And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, asked him, Which commandment is most important of all? Jesus answered, The most is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all of your soul, and with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. The second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one, and there is no other besides him. And to love him and, and, to love him and with, all, with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than a whole burnt offerings of sac- and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw, he answered wisely. He said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. This is the word of the Lord. All right. Good morning, Flourishing Grace. How you guys doing? Good. All right. I feel really loud. It's awesome. Um, good. It's good to be with you all this morning here at the 11 o'clock gathering. Uh, just to add on one thing on that card, right, there's a, that box I'm interested in. That middle one is learning more about baptism. Um, we have some baptisms coming up next Sunday. After our last uh, baptism uh, kind, of, kind of day, uh, a number of folks said, man, I, I, think, that, I think that God's calling me uh, to get baptized. And I, I want to give my life and surrender my life to Jesus. And I, I want to publicly declare that uh, God has done this work in me, that, he's, that, he's, that, that I have died with Christ, I've raised a new life, that I've been cleansed by his blood. And so next Sunday, Mother's Day, uh, we have like four or five folks that have said, man, I, I want to get baptized next week. And if, if you maybe have been sitting on that and you're like, I, I, like, I know, like, I really want to learn more about this. And maybe, maybe you're not ready for baptism, but maybe you're just like, man, I really actually do want to learn more about that. Make sure you mark that on that card, just leave that on your seat. And we'd love to kind of just talk to you this week and say, all right, what is God doing in your heart? And, and we'd love to just kind of talk through that all with you and uh, see what's going on there. That would be a delight and a joy for us. All right, so we are continuing in this series, Citizens of the Gospel. Citizens of the Gospel. We started this last Sunday, for those of you who weren't here. Um, some of you in the room are like, hang on, Lindsay just read the same passages last week. Yeah, I just, it's, I'm just going to preach the same message two weeks in a row. I mean, Half of you weren't listening anyway, so might as well. It's kidding, kidding, a kid, a kid. No, Here's, we said this last Sunday. Last Sunday we said uh, we want to take the great commandment and break it into two weeks. And so we're going to break this same passage into, into two weeks. Um, what, what's going on is we, we just preached through the gospel of Mark here at Flourishing Grace, right? So five of the last seven months has been in the gospel of Mark. And the main kind of theme that we've seen uh, was Jesus becoming king. Jesus becoming, kind of taking his seat on the throne as the Savior Messiah. This, this king of not just the world, but of the cosmos, the ruler of all things. The one who is saving and making right the kingdom of God. Restoring what we have broken. And so now coming out of that series in Mark... We want to kind of cast our minds back and say, okay, well, then what does it look like for those of us who are coming after Jesus to live as good citizens of the gospel? The gospel being Jesus became king. What does it look like for us to live as good citizens of the gospel? And so we are, we are looking back now at the commandments, the commissions, the calls of Jesus on 
his kingdom people, on the citizens of his kingdom, on the followers of Jesus. We're saying, man, how do we form our lives to that? So we started last week looking at what we call the great commandment, right? Jesus says uh, in this that there is no commandment greater than these. And so last week we looked at, man, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength, right? But Jesus quickly says, and there's another commandment that's, that's inextricably linked to that one, that is to love your neighbor as yourself. And so if you want to go online, you can find last week's sermon. You can kind of catch up there. You're only one week off. Not a big deal. But this morning, we're going to kind of turn our face towards our neighbor, right? And here in Utah, we have this unbelievable opportunity to, to practice this on a regular, daily, moment-by-moment basis, to love our neighbor as ourself. Uh, we live in an incredible community, an incredible space uh, where this, this is, we know this is vital, right? Our neighbors need to be loved by citizens of the gospel, right? They, they need to experience this, but also it's a joy to be able to do it. It's a joy to be able to do it. Um, and we know it's a joy to be able to do it. Like, for all of us, there's something about having good neighbors that's really, really, really attractive to us. Whether we think about that often or not, like we are drawn to this idea of a sweet neighborhood, right? Like sweet neighbors where we all just get along and we kind of live in this kind of sweet utopian neighborhood where we just do life together. Like that's an attractive idea, right? And we've, we've kind of romanticized this idea in like TV shows, like Friends. Like any, anybody watch Friends like back in the day? You guys were like Friends fans? Okay, number Seinfeld. Seinfeld, any of you guys Seinfeld fans? Man, like this crowd over here is like nothing. You guys don't watch TV. You're like, fine. Fine. But like we love this idea of like Ross and Joey and Rachel and Monica just being able to pop into each other's apartments, like whenever they're all living in the same building and like just like just doing life together, like best friends, like living in close proximity, or like all the crazy you know, people in Seinfeld just like coming into to Jerry's apartment. Like it's just so fun to like think that my best friends can just like come in and whenever they want, like whatever they want, just come in and like raid my fridge and do whatever they like that's there's something about that that we like that we love. That's why we watch those shows. That's why they're so popular. In fact, I think that for many of us, like, we live a good chunk of our lives in that way. I, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, like, man, my friends did live, like, in close proximity, right? We lived on a street that was, like, all boys. They said, all boys. Like, my next-door neighbor uh, had these, like, three boys. And then over here, they, they had a son. And then the three houses across the street were all boys. And we just, like, we just ran the neighborhood. Right? It was like, what we did, we all day, every day, constantly, like, hopping each other's fences and knocking on each other's windows and going out and playing and swimming in this kid's pool or coming and raiding my parents' fridge. And, and it was like, that's what we did. Like, we had a fridge in the garage. It was, like, filled with snacks. And, like, everybody knew they could just come in the back door of our garage and just, like, Help themselves. Like, my parents, nobody cared. I guess I don't think they cared. Uh, nobody cared. It was just like, what well, we did. We, like, ruled Pheasant Run, man. That was, like, that was it. Like, nobody was, whose street? Our streets. So that's what it was. Like, like, we just ruled it. And then you go off to college one day, right, and it's the same thing. Like, you are forced. You, like, live in this like, little bubble that's, like, all community. Like, right? your friends literally live on the same floor in this massive building. You're all engaging in life together. Or maybe you live in like some sort of a house with a bunch of your friends. And like you, you don't have to worry about anything. College is amazing. You don't worry about anything. Like all the food you ever want is like prepared for you. You just like walk across the street. It's like smorgasbord. And then you just go back and you just hang out with your friends. Like it's amazing. 
I, this is how we live, and there's something about that. We all, like in our minds, like, I just want to go back there. That's so much fun. But then you step out of college, and you step into the real world, and all of a sudden we're like, how, how do you do this? I don't know how to be a good neighbor. I don't, I don't know anything. I don't, why don't my neighbors come and hang out with me? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Like we, just, we step into the real world, or a.k.a. The, the broken world, and we're like, not that college is not a broken world. Um, sermon for another day, maybe. Uh, but I, we don't know how to do this anymore. And I know we don't know how to do this anymore. Everything declares we don't know how to do this anymore. A new report suggests that 36% of all Americans, all Americans, including 61% of young adults, young 20-somethings, and 51% of mothers of young children feel seriously lonely. Seriously, not, not like, yeah, I don't really, I don't, no, seriously lonely. Like, this is a major problem in my life. I don't, I don't know anybody. A majority of Americans, 57%, say that they know only some of their neighbors. And far fewer, 26%, say they know most of them, right? So 57% of Americans say, yeah, I kind of like know some of my neighbors. But most Americans would say, I just, I really don't know any of my neighbors. Like, I just don't, I don't know them. And then when you ask those neighbors, like, or those, those people who say, yeah, I know some of my neighbors, you ask them, well, what do you mean by no, right? He, here's, here's a fun stat in that same study. Among the Americans who know at least some of their neighbors, a majority of those people, 58%, say they've never met them for parties or get-togethers. It's like, I, oh, yeah, do you know, oh, yeah, I know some of my neighbors. Like, how often do you hang out? Never. Do you really know, like, you know them? Like, you know them. It's like, well, yeah, yeah, I, like, I know their name. I know, like, some things about them. I know what they do for, like, work or whatever. But you don't, like, know your neighbors. It, it's not like Ross and Monica and Rachel and Joey and whoever the heck else. I can't remember that show. Listen, it's, it's not that level. But, like, there's something in this that says, man, I wish it was. I wish it was. But that's not who it is. There's something in us that says, I think it's meant to be. I think it's meant to be that way. And I would argue it actually is. I would argue that someday in the new heavens and the new earth, when Jesus returns and establishes his final, the final establishment of the kingdom, a new heavens and a new earth, where we will rule and reign, that our neighborhoods in the new earth will look far more like the communities that we see in TV than they do in our kind of broken western, lonely suburban streets. And we are to be, right now, citizens of the gospel. Citizens who are embodying, living out this kingdom life. The way of the kingdom, the way of the, way of the new heavens and the new earth, that we are to be a kingdom people. Citizens of heaven, living and establishing this right now amongst our neighbors who have no concept of this other than television, right? Who also long for this as much as you do. We are to be a people who are actually the ones who are forming it and creating it and establishing it. And for some of you, that's a horrifying idea. That sounds awesome. But I'm introverted, and there's no way I'm ever going to do that. Like, I'm just not, I don't, I don't have what it takes. I, we, we've, we have a, a kind of a misconception in our mind of what that actually looks like. And I'm not going to sugarcoat it for you this morning. Like, that's really hard. It comes with a lot of cost, and we'll talk 
more about that. But I would say this, our king has commanded us to live in this way, to love our neighbor as ourselves, knowing that we ourselves would love to live next door to my best friend. Anybody? Who, who would like to live next door to their best friend? That would be amazing. That would be amazing to live next door to your best friend. Like, your neighbor wants the same thing. And so if I love my neighbor as I love myself, man, I'm called to cultivate that, to begin to build that, to begin to establish a good, deep relationship with my neighbor, to love them actually as I love myself. And as we turn our face towards God, as we talked about last week, loving God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength, we realize that God infinitely loves my neighbors. And so I cannot help but turn my face towards my neighbors as well. Right? God is, is wooing us and calling us, not just to himself, but then sending us out to love our neighbors. Now, I don't, before we really get into this, I, I, I want to establish something real quick. I, I think for the past 20 years, when I've heard this text, um, the great commandment preach, often it's, it's turned towards global missions, okay? It's kind of been hijacked by global missions. And, and I want to be really careful here. L listen, um, in Luke's account, which is where we normally go for this text, right? There's a question that's, pro that's proposed after, after Jesus says, you know, what's the greatest commandment? Oh, to love the Lord your God and to love your neighbor as yourself, right? The scribe then asks a follow-up, kind of stump the pastor question, which is what? Which is what? What does he ask him? Who's my neighbor? You all know this. Who's my neighbor? And famously, Jesus answers with the parable of the Good Samaritan, right? The Samaritan and the Jew. The Jew has kind of been robbed and beaten. is laying on the, on the side of the road. And the Samaritan is the only one who stops and helps him out, right? It was in a nutshell. Long story short. That's not where we're going this morning, right? But what happens is that as society has globalized, as we've uh, kind of moved into this world of global banking and global corporations and the rise of the internet. Right now, I can pull out my phone and I can see exactly what's going on in the lives, local news, in like small, remote, obscure villages in Africa and India and China, all over the world. I can see exactly what's going on in the lives of the people in those places. And so suddenly now, I'm in a place where the, the world has become my neighbor Right? And, and all of a sudden, man, the person in need is like everywhere. And so, so, so there's a call here to like engage in global missions. Right? That's what you do. Like, that's what this is all about. And I want to argue this morning, listen, are, is global missions critical, a critical initiative for every follower of Jesus? Yes. Y yes. To take the gospel to the ends of the earth should be, man, one of the primary calls on your life. Yes. Is that the heart of Jesus? Yes. Yeah, yes. Is it the heart of Jesus in this text? No. 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 You see, here's what's happened. As the world's globalized, right, we've started to preach it this way, but it's not because the world's globalized. Like, that's not why we preach it this way. The reason why we preach it this way is because it's way more comfortable for us in the West to say, oh, that's what it means to love my neighbor? I'll do that. Here's the check. 
And I don't actually have to know the person who's in pain. We don't really actually want to know the person who's suffering. I don't want to know their life or be their friend or engage in, engage in their pain. But, but if I can just check the box of loving my neighbor by writing a check and, oh, sweet, I'll support this missionary, I'll, I'll give to this fund, I'll, I'll, I'll feed these kids. Like, all good things, don't mishear me. But all that's doing is freeing you up from what Jesus is calling you to actually do. To love your neighbor as yourself. To love your neighbor as yourself. So here's what I want to do. When you came in, hopefully somebody at the door gave you a little sheet. Looks like tic-tac-toe. Anybody not get one of those? Anybody's like, what are you talking about? Tic-tac-toe. Everybody got one? Everybody got Oh, you got one. Got one, got one, got one. Okay, we're going to play a massive game of tic-tac-toe. I'm going to dominate you all. Just kidding. We're not doing that. Um, here's, what, here's what I want you to do. That center, in that center box is, is a house. That's, that's you. That's your house, okay? And I want you to write in those other boxes everything you know about the neighbors who live in those boxes. So you got a house directly in front of you and then two on either side, right? You have, you have a house directly behind you and two on either side, and then you have houses on the right and the left of you. I want you to write everything you know about those neighbors, their name, their family, their career, what they do, what they like, their hobbies, everything you know about them in that little tiny space. I know it's tiny, but just humor me. All right, everything you can fit in that space about them. Now, if you don't have a neighbor directly behind you or to your right or left, that's fine. It's okay. Like, just figure it out. Like, it'll be all right. Like, just humor me for a minute. All right? And if you say, I don't know anything about, I don't know my neighbor. That's okay. Just write that. Just, just write that. It's okay. Just write that. Maybe you just moved in to the house yesterday. It's, it's okay. It's all right. Just write. I don't know, I don't know anything. I'm going to give you a minute to, to fill it out, and then we're going to get into this. All right, still working. You guys can keep working. You can keep working because the first box that I want to talk about in, in there is that middle box. I want to talk about uh, you uh, in, in, your, in your house, right? I don't want, we'll talk about your neighbors in a minute. I just want to talk about that center box. H how many of you, a show, show of hands, um, you can keep working on this, but how many of you have lived in Utah basically your entire life? Like you were born here, maybe you moved away for a love, but, but you've been, this, this is home. This has been home for your entire, okay, decent number. There's actually way more at the 915. I don't know. Utahans are early birds, I guess. Uh, most of your life. How many of you moved here from someplace else? Everyone, everyone else. Should have okay, keep your hand up for a second. Keep your hand up. We're going to play that little wedding game. We're going to see who lasts the longest. If you put your hand down, if, if uh, you've lived here for uh, 20 or more years, 20 or more years, put your hand down if you've lived here for more than 20 years, okay? If you've lived here for more than 20 years, put your hand down. Okay, if you lived here for more than 10 years, put your hand down. When 10 years, okay, wow, this is totally different than the 915. All right, 
So if your hand is up, you've lived here for, for 10 years or less. 10 years or less. All right, put your hand down if you've lived here for six or more years. Six or more years. Six or more years. Okay. All right, if you've lived here for four or more years, put your hand down. Four or more years. Uh, two years. Two or more years. Two or more years, put your hand down. Two or more years, uh, put your hand down. And then one, less than one year. Less than one year. Put, put, welcome to Utah. Welcome to Utah. Awesome. Hey, very cool. Man, this is totally different than the, than, the, than the first gathering. Like, there was, like, a ton of people who were, like, here in less than one year. So, man, crazy. Um, and a ton of people who have lived here their entire lives. So, uh, v- very different, different dynamics. But here's, here's where I'm going with this. I, it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter if you've lived here your entire life or, or you just moved here and you've been here for less than a year. Like, that center square is is sovereignly controlled by God, right? Whether that's a house or an apartment, a condo, wherever it is that you live, right? You do not live there because you took a job in Utah. You don't live there because it popped up on Zillow and you're like, my place looks nice. You don't live there because some realtor was like, hey, I'm going to show you this. You don't live there because you moved here because you wanted to, like, be in the mountains and ski and hike and have fun. That's not why you moved here. You didn't move here to be closer to the family. That you are in that space where you are because God is sovereign over your life. And he has placed you in that square. He has you exactly where he has you. God has sovereignly placed you in that middle square. And I want you to see that this morning for a purpose As a citizen of the gospel, he has placed you in that center square. Peter talks about it this way in 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10. He says this, But you, you, those of you who are in Christ, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Jesus, in in the gospel, one of the implications of the gospel is Jesus forms a new people. Jesus becomes king, and he forms a new people for himself, a people of the kingdom. Why does he do this? Peter says, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. You were once not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Jesus does this. He forms a new people, calls you out of spiritual darkness, brings you into spiritual light, into a community of people, so that you might proclaim his excellencies, the excellencies of our king, the one who has done that work. Paul talks about it this way in 2 Corinthians 5. This is, this is one of the most robust, beautiful texts. In the New Testament, we should all as a church just memorize 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 21. It reads this way. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us, reconciled you and me to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is Christ, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, 
We are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God for our sake. He made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Right? God, through Christ, reconciled us, reconciled me to himself. And in doing so, gave me the message of reconciliation. The moment I was reconciled to him, I understood, I understood how I was reconciled. And in that moment, I became an ambassador of that ministry of reconciliation. An ambassador of Christ. One who is to tell others, hey, God wants to reconcile you to himself. And he's made a way for that through Christ. It's amazing. We are ambassadors placed sovereignly in this, in this moment, right there in that middle square. And all of those outer squares have been given to you. Or maybe more accurately, you've been given to them. They have been entrusted to you. And I wonder for us in the room, how many of us, when you kind of wrote everything you know about every single one of those people, if anybody wrote, they have been entrusted to me. They've been entrusted to me. I am an ambassador for Jesus to them. Sovereignly, God has entrusted them to you. There is a very, very strong chance that there is no other ambassador for Jesus in your neighborhood. You're it. You're the one that God has placed in that center square and sovereignly entrusted those other squares to you. And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to write in every single one of those squares, they are entrusted to me, or they've been entrusted to me. They've been entrusted to you. Sovereignty of God has placed you right there in the center, and each one of those other squares has been entrusted to you. They're entrusted to me. You are the ambassador of Christ in your neighborhood. You're there to proclaim the excellencies of him who's called you out of spiritual darkness and brought you into spiritual light. Now, this, is not, this does not make your neighbors a project, right? They're, they're not a project, right? They're people to be loved. Jesus does not say the second is like it. Save all your neighbors as you've been saved. That's not what he says. Convert your neighbors as you've been converted. That's not what he says. Love your neighbors. Jesus will take care of the rest. Engage your neighbors and proclaim the excellencies of the one that you love most, right? We love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength. And when we proclaim that to our neighbors, the excellencies, the glory of our king, the king will take care of it. He'll take care of the rest. You are their ambassador to proclaim his excellencies. Second, um, the second thing I want you to see is that God so loves those, out, those outside squares. He so loves your neighbors, right? We all know John 3, 16, that for God so loved the world, he gave his only son. And whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal, everlasting life. We know this because we've lived it, right? For those of you in the room who are in Christ, right, that is what 
you've entrusted your life. Like that's, you believe that that's true of you, that God so loves you, that he gave his son for you. And in, in, in giving his son, you are completely, totally cleansed. We are citizens of the gospel, not because we've earned some title or, or have to do some thing, but we are citizens of a kingdom that, that we've been invited into by the king, and we've been made righteous. We've been clothed in his righteousness, and all of my sin was laid on Christ. I am no longer a sinner. I am a saint in Christ Jesus, not because of what I've done, but because of what He's done for me. And there's nothing that I'm ever going to do, there's nothing that I'm ever going to do that's going to change that. I will never again be a sinner in his eyes. Do you grasp that? I'll never again, you will never again, if you are in Christ, you'll never again be a sinner in the eyes of God. Because you're clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. And so there's nothing that you're ever going to do that's going to make him love you less. This is the good news. Jesus has become king. He's clothed you in his righteousness. And this is the good news of our salvation. And there's nothing that I'm ever going to do that's going to make him love me more. Because he loves me infinitely. So here's the question. If you fail at loving your neighbor, does Jesus love you less? No. No. Of course not. Of course not. If you are amazing at loving your neighbor, does Jesus love you more? No. No. And so for all my introverted friends in the room, you're like, all right, so why would I ever love my neighbor? Because Jesus, when you were infinitely lonely, and infinitely in need of love and kindness and someone to reach and save you. He gave his life to that. He gave his life to be, to love you as as he wants to be loved by you. To love you as he loves himself. He gave his life to that. And we've been awakened to this ministry of reconciliation. We've been awakened to his love for us. But we're also awakened to his love for those neighbors, for those outside squares. And so we're a people who, even though maybe it's, it's terrifying for us, maybe we know there's going to be cost to this, we're a people who say, Jesus counted the cost, and the cost was heavy, and he stepped in anyways for me. And so we are a people who say, I will count the cost. And I'll step in anyways for him and for them because he deeply loves my neighbors. And he's placed me there to be a demonstration of that love, to to proclaim his love to them. The gospel is our motivation for loving our neighbors. Now, is there, are there benefits for, in it for us? Yes, there are, right? We can, we can actually cultivate this beautiful environment in our neighborhoods where we all, we all hang out and have fun. We can lean on each other and care for each other and, and go into each other's homes and, and have this amazing relationship. Are there benefits in it for us? Yes, there are. But the ultimate, the ultimate motivation to love our neighbor as ourself is, is the gospel. We look at Jesus and we see how he did that for us. And so then we are ready to do it for others. The question is, how do we do this? How, how do we do this? I, I want to give you three kind of super practical things, and then we'll be done. Okay? Just three super practical things, uh, and then we'll be done this morning. First, 
there's a category of us in the room uh, who, when I said, hey, write your, write your uh, neighbor's name, you, you were like, uh, uh, hey, babe, um, what's that guy? Is it, is it Brad? Brad, Brad, yeah, I got Brad, Brad, yeah, Brad. Um, I got one. Uh, that's, that's where I heard of, like a lot of like spouses like whispering in the room, like, what's their name? Sally, Brad, I don't, I don't know. Right? It's like, I don't know my neighbors. And I don't know any of them. I, I think maybe I got like one guy's name. Good job. That's all. Listen, hey, honestly, just grace, grace. Maybe you've lived in that house for like a day. You're like, I don't know my neighbors. It's okay. Maybe you've lived here for 10 years, right? Like, I don't know. It's okay. Listen to me. What I do not want is for everybody to kind of leave this room beating themselves up and like, I don't know, I'm terrible with this. Listen, no, like we are here to become good citizens of the gospel. Not because we're all good at this. I'm not good at this. I'm not good at this. I want to get better. I want to get better. And so if you want to get better and you're kind of in that category, number one, you're like, I don't know. Listen, here's two things for you. Number one, begin today to pray for those squares. To pray for the, the, the homes, the neighbors that live in those squares. Begin to pray for them. God, would you awaken them to your love for them? Would you increase uh, my ability? Would you help me to engage with them, to know them? And just begin to kind of walk your neighborhood one night a week. One night a week, just walk your neighborhood praying for those neighbors. And when you see them outside, right, engage them. Hey, hey Brad. It's, it's Brandon. Dang it. All right, Brandon. Hey, Brandon. My, <laughs> right, let's, be, let's be real. Um, Listen, I'm, I'm your neighbor. I'm sorry. I can't remember your name. Listen, and then you go home and you're right in that square and you won't forget it. So right in there. And you can pray for them by name and begin to engage them, begin to invite them, begin to participate in your neighborhood through prayer. Let's begin with prayer. Let's begin to love our neighbor by laying them before the one who loves them more than we can ever begin to imagine. Let's pray for our neighbors. Second, maybe some of you are like, man, I, I want... I want to actually engage more than that. Um, he, here's kind of some of some of you are maybe you you have gotten to the place where you kind of know some of your neighbors. Like when I was like right out your neighbors, you're like, oh yeah, I know this guy, this guy, this guy. I, can, I know a bunch of things about this guy. I don't know anything about them or them, but I think this guy's name is this. Right? He's like, I've kind of. I've kind of engaged. That's where most Americans are, right? And so the majority of the room, like that's where we're at, right? Um, we're in this place where we've got kind of begun to engage, but not, not fully, not, not really. For those of you who would say, man, I want to be a better citizen of the gospel. And I want to love my neighbor as I love myself. Like what's, what's your next step? I, I want to call you to first, just like I did, to begin to pray. We want to lay our neighbors before Jesus in prayer. Because Jesus loves them more than I ever will. But we also want to begin to cultivate something a little bit deeper than, I know their name, I know what they do for work. I know their kids' names, because my kids are playing with their kids. right? And we want to cultivate something a little bit deeper than that. A little bit more than that. And I want to challenge you to consider kind of cultivating and curating a space once a month Right, so we're, we're prayer walking once a week for our neighbors. Once a month, curating a space in your front yard for your neighbors. Kind of, kind of moving 
all the stuff in their backyard, all that garbage you got back there, to the front yard. Like, put the fire put out, put the, put, put the couch out, put, put everything in the front yard, get some grill out, maybe rent a bounce house, let some kids break their arms, right? And just have a, have a fun time. Have a good time. It's like invite the neighbors one day a month to just do life in your front yard. To kind of raise your hand and say, man, I, 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 I want to be a better neighbor. I, I want to get to know you guys. I, I want to I host and be, be that space in our community. Um, some of you, that's like a terrifying idea. You're just like, I, I can't do that. I, I, don't, I don't have any. Here's what I want to do. I want to invite up uh, Brian and Carrie back uh, to come, come up here for just a second. Um, Brian and Carrie, uh, I kind of heard through the grapevine um, that Brian and Carrie had done something like this uh, on Easter Sunday. Um, and so rather than me sharing, I wanted them to kind of just come up and, and share this with you, kind of what they did and, and what, what that looked like. And so uh, Brian and Carrie actually used to live right by me. Um, maybe we could just like walk up to their house. It was super close. Um, but they, they moved. Uh, how long have you guys lived in, in the place where you're at now? new house about two years two, two years uh right, right over here like you can you just walk to church right uh between here and in main street um and on easter sunday uh you, you guys did something in the neighborhood uh, t- tell us a little bit about what, what went down what did you guys do yeah so we had been uh, just kind of talking about we've lived in this area for a couple of years um in that particular neighborhood and got to know people in passing you know out in the yard say hey they're doing yard work, whatever, but we wanted to be a little bit more intentional about getting to know them deeper, and so we've, you know, had conversations about, we know our small group really well, we, we know a lot of the people in this church really well, we do life with them a lot, um, but what would it look like for us to kind of do something different to really more engage them specifically, because um, those are the people that we're living closest by, and like whenever we're out in the yard and stuff, and so Carrie kind of brought up the idea of, hey, let's, this year for Easter, let's do this thing where we have people over to our house. Um, instead of having our small group, and it wasn't just like, hey, you guys can't come, but it was more of just like, we want to have the people in our neighborhood come over, kind of as a catalyst thing to allow more familiarity whenever we're outside on the street, people are passing by, they feel like they can come into the house and, you know, just hang out and just be, yeah. Yeah, so So everything we were talking about, you guys just just did it, right? Um, So I think for a lot of us, uh, when when we think about that, there's kind of this like barrier of like, Man, I, I, I can't do that. Like, I, what do I have to do? Like, I can't, I, I'm going like, to call Martha Stewart and have her, like, decorate my house. And it has to be, like, this Instagram-worthy event. And, and t- tell us, like, man, where did that land with you guys? And how did you kind of think through that a little bit? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's hard in this, you know, especially the age we live in with Instagram and everything. You feel like you have to have this perfect place for everybody to come over and see immaculate furniture and all of that kind of stuff. And I obviously care a little bit less about that than Carrie does. Um, but, you know, the, a lot of what Rosaria Butterfield talks about in that book of, is just, I didn't even mention the book, The Gospel Comes with a House Key. That's kind of where we, we've read through that. And, um, but just this idea of no matter what kind of space you have, no matter what kind of furniture you've got, plates, if you don't have enough places for people to sit, doesn't matter. Like, let them sit on the front porch, let them sit on the couch. Like, just, just having an environment of people are able to come over and just be themselves and not have to feel like they got to be any certain way. It's just, you know, come and just live life and, and have a place of refuge and a place where you're always going to be loved and served well and, and that kind of thing. Yeah. So, yeah. No, that's good. And then so kind of coming out of that, kind of coming out of that gathering on, on Easter, how, how many people came roughly? How many? I mean, 17, 17, 17, 17 18 yeah, folks, neighbors? Everybody you invited yeah. ended up showing up, right? So again, that just kind of communicates this idea that I was saying at the very beginning, like 
your neighbors actually want this. Like, you're not, you're not like, asking them to, to, like, do something they don't want, right? It's like, you're not asking them to, like, eat a bowl of broccoli. It's like, no, come have fun. Like, this is going to, like, they want to do this, right? So coming, coming out of that. We don't serve broccoli. No, yeah, of course not. I know you don't, Brian. Um, <laughs> coming out of that, like, what have been some of the experiences now with your neighbors uh, that, that's kind of, what, what fruit have you guys seen from that? If that makes sense. Yeah, so the last couple of years, just getting to know them has, yeah, almost taken a couple of years. But after Easter and different things like that, um, having people over, I think we've gotten more of, like, invites from other people. Like, we went to the Tabernacle downtown with some neighbors and also have gotten invited to go camping with some others. So it's kind of like a back-and-forth relationship a little bit more. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So cool. It's just to see, like, something so simple, right, that's kind of just produced, like, deeper, more meaningful relationships. And it's kind of the, the catalyst at the beginning of it. So awesome. Can we thank Brian and Carrie for sharing that? Yeah. Friends, here's the reality. I don't want this to get lost on anybody. I mean, as you begin to engage in love, we talked about this a few months ago. It doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter if it's your spouse or your kids or your neighbors. Um, there's going to be some pain that comes along with that. You have some neighbors that maybe uh, don't respond in this kind of beautiful, sweet way. You have some neighbors who are a little bit harder to love than than, than maybe you would like, right? Um, that's just the reality of it. And maybe your neighbors begin to view you as a project as you begin to just love them, right? The reality is it doesn't, doesn't matter, right? This is what we've been, we've been commanded to do by our king, is to lean into the brokenness of our neighbors, to begin to to see and identify their pain and their sorrow and love them in the midst of that. It's, it's, television gives us this kind of beautiful utopian picture of that. It's not going to be that. It's not going to be that. But it's also not super complex either. Right? What Brian and Carrie did like, is amazing, but it's also simple. It's simple. And it's been a catalyst for them to kind of engage even deeper with their neighbors. And so for, for those of you who are in kind of those categories where you say, I, mean, I, I want to get better at this, right? Whether you don't know any of your neighbors or you know a handful of them, but you don't know them really well, you say, I want to do a better job of this. We want to resource you. This is the last thing I want you to hear, okay? Uh, we, we as a church, we want to take I men loving God and loving our neighbors really, really, really seriously. Really seriously. And so we want to resource you in loving God with path groups. We talked about that last Sunday. We've got path group course coming up on Tuesday. But we also want to resource you in loving your neighbor. And so what we've done is we've overhauled our community's ministry. And Brian and Carrie actually are, are on that team, our community's leadership team. Communities was like we've created these events and then you could invite your neighbors too. But instead, now we want to actually help you kind of host your neighbors locally to actually become a citizen of the gospel in your neighborhood. Um, and so we're talking about what that's going to look like. We're going to be rolling that out over the next few weeks. But if that excites you, you're like, no, no, I want, I want to become somebody who loves my neighbors really, really well. I want to begin to do things like Brian and Carrie doing. I want to begin prayer walking in my neighborhood. I want to, I want to do this. We want to resource you in that. You can go to flourishinggrace.org slash neighbor. Flourishinggrace.org slash neighbor. You can pull out your phone right now. It's a short little questionnaire, three, four questions, I think, uh, just kind of about where you live and how long you've lived there. And, and we want to kind of get some information so that we can resource you. 
And even this week, we're going to begin to come alongside you and just kind of give you some resources. Maybe some, that book that Brian and Carrie read or some podcasts that, we, that we've that been an encouragement to us. Um, we'd love to kind of come alongside you and begin to resource you in neighboring. We would love to kind of preach the same sermon a year from now and have every single one of us fill out that, that card and just know all these things about our neighbors. And our neighbors would know, man, they're people of the front yard. They're people who, who, who love their neighborhood and who love their neighbors. And also people who fiercely love Jesus. And I know that, man, when I have questions about Jesus, when I'm struggling, that's a safe space where I can go and I can engage with them in a safe way around faith and around love and all these things that I'm wrestling with. There's a a kindness that's coming from that house. That's coming, it's flowing out of the gospel of Jesus because we're growing as citizens of the gospel. Let me pray for you guys. Jesus, I pray this morning that you would give us a heart and a vision for loving our neighbor as ourselves. That we would see this as not something that's super complex and hard, but something that's simple. Something that we can simply, simply engage in and simply do. Just extending love and kindness intentionally to our neighbors. Would you give us a heart for that? And then would you begin to produce the fruit? Would you begin to turn our neighbors' faces towards you as we proclaim your excellencies, the sweetness of your mercy and your grace, your glory and your renown, what you've done in our life, where they say, man, I, I want that same king. Pray that you do a great work for the people flourishing grace. As you help them to love their neighbor as they love themselves. Praise in your name. In the name of Jesus. Amen.